I know that we frequently provide the listeners with a list of obscure, unexplored songs that no one other than Hollywood Steve has ever heard before. Yeah, bitch! Thanks, Steve. <laughs> Today's list fits that same criteria. However, I'm willing to bet most of our listeners have heard every one of these songs on the list, but not by the artists that are singing them. Today we're playing the original glam rock versions of the songs you've known for years. This is Undercover Glam. Dave, that was a great fucking open. Thank you, JD. I'm trying to be more concise. Nah, it's overrated. I have a lot of important things to say. Go to hell, Hunter. Welcome to the Beyond Yacht Rock podcast. It's the podcast that takes you on a journey through arbitrary genres and counts them down. My name is J.D. Riznar. Uh, I played Michael McDonald in the hit internet show Yacht Rock. Across from me is Hollywood Steve Huey. Hi, I played Hollywood Steve in the, the hit internet show Yacht Rock. David Lyons. Hey, I'm David Lyons. I played Coco Goldstein in the uh, hit internet show Yacht Rock. And then over here we have Hunter Stare. I'm Hunter, and I want to get to the bone throw because it's in the background right now. Who cares what I used to do? I'll tell you something. Because we did this dumb show Yacht Rock, that's why you guys listen to us. So we like to throw a bone to you Yacht Rock fans and feature a Yacht Rock song every week. And this week Hunter's picked it out. Hunter, tell us about this song. It's pretty smooth. Oh, it's great. Great little tale on this good one. This is uh, Terrence Boylan with a song by the name of uh, Shame. Uh, this is, I'm going to give you a little background on uh, Ambuna. That's what his friends called him. His friends being Steely Dan. Old. Oh, you want to listen to that smooth? Alright, here we go. Oh, it's so smooth. Okay, so... Good job, Hunter. Uh, Steely Dan and uh, Boona, I'm going to call him Boona from now on, Terrence Boylan, they went to Bard together. They were in college. Uh, Boona and his brothers used to be uh, singer-songwriters, and then he went to college. So Bard is a good name for their college, isn't it? Yes, yeah, very good. Uh, so, <laughs> so anyways... Um, this he gave they put out he put out an album in 1969 he actually gave Steely Dan their first recording experience and so this is actually in 1975 uh, Steely Dam paid him back by uh, by coming in on his studio his second album um, and what else can be said about this oh 1975 was released in 1977 I would argue that this may be the first yacht rock album. I can't think of an earlier one. It's 1975. I think a case can definitely ma be made for it. It's great. It sounds like watered down Steely Dan. Like it, like if Steely Dan is too wild and crazy for you, this is like Steely Dan and an aspirin. Well, he's got a he's got a bit of a Jackson Brown in him. You know, he combined that that uh, sentimental folkiness with a smooth sound. And uh, also, also, three members of Toto appeared on this album. That's just what I was going to ask about. Yeah, Jeff Ricaro, <laughs> Steve Lukather, and David Page all played on this album. This was two years before Toto formed. Wow. Hey, let me do an impression of David Page and those other two on this. Hey, you know what I love about The Wizard of Oz? That little dog. We should make that a bane. That happened in the Did you guys see the name brand of that toilet in there? <laughs> 
So, uh, two more little bits of trivia on this guy. This one, uh, Donald Fagan is on the piano on this particular song. I can hear it. Steely, it like a Steely Dan piano noodle. Yeah, he only he only was on two uh, songs. They were supposed to be on the entire album, but they showed up late for the recording. Listen to what he they uh, Terrence Boylan had and said, yeah, it's good enough. So played on this one. Uh, 1981, he has another album. I think I'm going to revisit it later. It ha doesn't have Steely Dan on it, but it does have fellow Steely Dan castaway Chevy Chase playing on that album. So this guy's a pretty interesting character in the Yacht Rock genre. That was an incredible list of facts. I love facts! Well, this guy's an interesting person. I bet you no one's really ever heard of this guy. I have not. I, this is no. new to me. Yeah. This is new to me. No, he, it's, it's, it's really great. cool, and this is a great album. And one thing we forget to talk about during these bone throws is how smooth all these songs are. Yeah. Like, smooth was the number one element of the Yacht Rock mythology. All the characters cared about how smooth their music was. Uh, and this song is smooth as a shaved baby. And doesn't that kind of have a Stevie Nicks-ish background vocals on this? It really does. Is it Stevie Nicks? It's not. Oh, but that's, it, I thought you had another no, fun but I'm fact saying, for I said like. I said I know, Stevie yeah, Nicks yeah. like. But it's, it, I'm just saying it's very ahead of its time. Now, if you listen to the lyrics of this song, I think it's a song about a person who lost his shame by acting in pornos. <laughs> And those, yeah. and I listen now because it's Steely Dan related. Those, oh my gosh, the song's over already. Uh, Put on another one. Yeah, I know. I should listen. <laughs> I just play it again. Yeah, play it again. Yeah, play Sam. it again. Okay. Um, those porno films are being made, I think, by Mr. LePage. He's from the Everyone Goes to the Movie Steely Dan song, and he shows the Great dirty song. films in his den. Um, the Steely Dan expanded universe would put Marvels to shame. <laughs> yeah, it would. It would be a great franchise. Yeah. Just look into that. Um, anything else to say about this song, fellas? Nah, I, I think we I think we threw the bone. There's a lot of facts that we've thrown out here. Yeah, a lot of great bone throws here. we got another one coming up next week. Ah, bone throws every week. Baby, ah. baby, baby. Oh, exact opposite. Right now, what we're going to do is talk about today's countdown. The genre is glam. It's called, it's undercover glam, or glam undercover. Glam undercover, we never really settled. Yeah, we're we discussed. Let's call it's it undercover, undercover glam. Undercover glam. Undercover glam. Dave, you're in the captain's chair, why don't you tell us about it? Well, J.D., didn't you want to talk oh, a little yeah, bit? Oh, yeah, well, before we talk about the specific glam one, I want to talk about this bigger idea of undercovers. Basically, undercovers are songs that are covers, or, I'm sorry, songs that much more popular songs have covered that you may not know are covers. What? That's kind of confusing. Yeah, that was the worst way of telling me. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm let's, totally, that totally that wasn't concise. No. Songs that were hits that you don't realize are covers. Yes. Like, is Come that, On, Feel the Noise. No, yeah. but, the, but the hits or, aren't the undercovers. The original song is the undercover. Yeah, the yes. original song is the undercover. Secret cover. The hit version is the cover. And today we're going to focus <laughs> on the original uh, songs screw it, let's get out, that are glam here. rock songs that uh, other people covered yeah. and became very popular. See you yeah, guys it's, later. it's my hope that Undercovers becomes a recurring segment. It will. Much like uh, our yet to be tackled songwriter series. It's the thing we've been talking about, which will be coming up before long. Don't worry, the ideas are coming slow. Yeah. Now, but no. 
Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, let's talk about Let's talk yeah, about glam. Glam's a, term, glam. glam's a term that's thrown around a lot by music nerds and journalists. And I don't, as a layman, as a layman of the group, as I like to brand myself, mm. the layman, the layman, I don't know a lot about glam. So could you guys tell me and the rest of our less informed audience about glam rock? Yeah, it's a, it's a genre developed in Britain in the early 70s. Uh, pioneers include Mark Boland of T-Rex, David Bowie. They both dress in outlandish, co- outlandish costumes. Outlandish! Mike outlandish! Landis. Outlandish! Outlandish! Uh, but they experimented with androgyny and makeup. The music was mostly pop-based with some roots in good old rock and roll. Uh, a lot of flamboyant stage shows, costumes, and a shitload of glitter, which is why it's frequently referred to as glitter rock. A lot of facts today. Yeah, it's it's all right. JD, you know what grunge is, right? No. What? what no. Oh. Listen, you can explain that to me in a couple weeks. No, I'm just saying. No, but I know grunge. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a but it's also like a style of clothing. It's not like a real thing. Right, it comes right, out right. of an area. It's like, that's kind of what glam was. But I would say that it it stayed away from like. Memphis bluesy stuff instead of like more swing and improvisational and didn't like improv so it was more like swing and doo-wop kind of like swing like Glenn Miller yeah listen to that swing I mean no, like, this is, that's what rock and roll was at the beginning it had roll in it still well, like it hadn't been like when it when rock and roll went over to Britain it kind of like all the roll got kind of ironed out of it by all these stiff white guys trying to play, play a shuffle beat yeah these guys are glam kinda, rock is kind of where Britain learned how to shake its ass properly and they were kind of ignoring the like British invasion type of rock and roll. They kind of like went back a little bit, and they were looking back on a lot of a lot of a lot of love songs. Very clappable, like like almost every song. Well, let me see. Let me see. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, it totally is. Chantable. Yeah. Yeah. Got a chant. Got a clap. A lot of that, and you can throw anything out of the window if, if your makeup game is tight. Because, like, Roxy Music was glam. They didn't sound like anybody else, but they had awesome makeup. So they got, they were glam. They were beautiful men. All right. Well, let's get into the genre. All right. You guys ready to start? You guys are ready to start this countdown? Not the countdown yet. We still haven't talked about the genre of undercover. Glam. No, we did. Yeah, we did. These are glam songs that are undercover hits. Dave, why don't you tell us about this example song we're listening to right now? thanks, (laughs) Steve. In 1983, Quiet Riot released their American debut album, Metal Health. First hard rock album to reach number one on the Billboard charts. Wait, I have to start it over. (laughs) And the first single. Yeah! Two for two. (laughs) The first single to crack the top five. Uh, The thing is, they did it with a cover of a song by Slade. And that's the version we're hearing right now, is the Slade version. So this is the undercover. Right. This is the undercover. Quiet Riot's version is not an undercover, so we're not going to play it. But you should go listen to it so you can appreciate the undercover, which is under the cover. Do you get it? the point is, you probably already know it, so now we're going under the undercover. Oh, man. You know, I once had a a, uh, British gentleman describe Slade as a... uh, a bunch of northern pig farmers who like to dress up like girls. That's about right. But I think I think that was another thing about glam. I don't think they came from London. They were like just outside on the yeah. outskirts. 
All right. Country boys. I'm going to jump ahead here. There's a surprising amount of bands that turn to the songs of glam artists in an attempt to raise their own profiles. We're going to see some redundancies here, fellas. Glam was a small world, and several of the original artists will appear more than once on the list. The songs were so goddamn good, folks are going back to that well multiple times. Especially if they weren't that good at writing their own songs. Now, you guys want to dive into this well? Let's get into it. Let's jump down that well. All right, you probably recognize that right off the bat. But this isn't Mott the Hoople's All the Young Dudes. This is David Bowie, the dude that wrote it. Now, I'm taking a bit of a liberty here because Bowie recorded this version after the Mott the Hoople version, but this song has been described as doing for glam rock what all you need is love did for the hippie generation. This is the glam anthem, and I'm breaking my own rules to include it. Also, what better, better song to kick off our list than what with JD so lazily calls a glamthem? It's not lazy. Uh, yeah, being uh, perfection coming easy isn't laziness. It's called being dialed in. Cramming two words together to make a new word is lazy. Okay. It's, it's the first joke. <laughs> no. yeah. Belongs on Tosh.0. No. Tosh.0, amazing. No, it's not racist. Show, totally enough. dialed in. It's Bullshit. called a, there's there's no quality control on that show. They just rattle off jokes. All right, let's get Glantham's past this. not even a joke. It's a marketing term. Let's I'm get, trying to market this. No, and I'm trying to get you to do where's the beef, not where beef. <laughs> where beef? <laughs> it's a monster beef. You turn into this, a cow at this night. This is yeah, the light of the This moon. is it's called a portmanteau. It's a it's a Legitimate. Uh, it's when you English smash reference. two words yes. together, mm-hmm. it's a, like a, disciple for deep purple disciple, which I coined last right. week. And it's lazy. Really I'm good. Starting, no, it's not. It's just a, it's a literary. It's thing. extremely clever. Dialed in. All right, let's talk about the actual thing we're listening to. All right, even though those horns, there's a lot of horns on David Bowie's <laughs> version. Even though this this version was recorded after the better known version, it was written for Mott the Hoople by Bowie after Mott the Hoople rejected his first offering, Suffragette City. See, I had heard that he didn't write this quite for them. Like, he, he'd kind of been kicking this song around for a while. He was maybe going to put it on Ziggy Stardust, and it got cut. But it was supposed to originally figure into the, the weird Ziggy Stardust storyline where the Earth has five years left, and Ziggy has to spread the word through his music because there's no electricity, and it makes even less sense than a Pete Townsend concept album. The song is about paper boys, plain and, and simple. Sure. All the young dudes carry the news. I don't think there's anything else to say about it. All right, let's move on. Number nine. I'm good. The voice of Alan Freed. Stupid Cleveland. It's quiet sound effects. At the um, Here's a good song. Here it is. All right. Going. Most people are going to know this uh, as the theme song of the Drew Carey Show, uh, performed by the President of the United States of America. It's actually Ian Hunter, Cleveland Rocks. And he, Ian Hunter, was the lead singer of Mott the Hoople. Oh, weird. Yes, he was. <laughs> <laughs> it is a small universe. I got this glam world. I got burned by this undercover uh, when making Yacht Rock. The day that we got Drew Carey to appear in an episode, I was like, I want to play Drew Carey's theme song, but I want the original version and and some crappy uh, uh, torrent torrent Tarn service site. gave me this garbage. Uh-oh. The actual one, the President's United States one. So now President's the United States uh, have a song in our precious little corner of Yacht Rock. And they're going to send the interne- internet police after you for stealing their music. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, 
This is arguably not glam. I disagree. I also disagree. I disagree. This is this is this is of a piece with Mott the Hoople's earlier work. Clappable, chantable, good old rock and roll. But not towards the end. Cleveland rocks. Yes, it did. It follows many, but then at the end it turns into a rock song. You know, Cleveland actually adopted this as their uh, official song. I don't know why. I, I feel like when I listen to Ian Hunter sing this, I feel like he's being more ironic about Cleveland rocking than than it sounds like in the Drew Carey show. Oh, like uh, Randy but, Newman uh, actually not making a very good song about L.A. or Bruce Springsteen talking about suicide and Born to Run. Yeah, which is the like New that. Jersey State song. Yeah, it's more <laughs> it's more ironic. It's yeah. uh, it's 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 exposing the dark underbelly, but in very cheerful music. So, do you think the uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is ironic too, that it's in Cleveland? Well, they did uh, throw away uh, Alan Freed's ashes to make place for Beyonce's uh, wardrobe, which dates all the way back to 2006. Another fun fact. <laughs> well, anyway, they didn't throw him away. They just made his son come get them. Yeah, they couldn't even ship them. <laughs> Can anybody name three bands from Cleveland? I don't want to. Should we move yeah, on? Save it for Perubu. the, uh, save it for the uh, Ohio. Uh, <laughs> so that's a no. Yeah, yeah, listen to that. All right, you may have heard uh, Head East hit number 46 with this song. I don't know that. Deep Purple Disciples Rainbow yeah. hit number 57 with this song. And Cherry, Cherry Curry of the Runaways hit 95 with this song. This is Since You've Been Gone by Russ Ballard. It's oh. insane that this song was a top 100 hit three times by three people other than the guy who actually wrote, originally wrote and recorded it. I mean, that's just insane. Yeah. Well, Russ Ballard, uh, probably best known as a guitar player for Argent, uh, of Hold Your Head Up fame, uh, was not glam. Yeah. Argent Had itself a glam phase. is not glam, but eat shit. Um, but Russ Ballard was this amazing songwriter, and he's going to appear two more times on our list. Yeah, what a good list. <laughs> I'm really excited about having Russ Ballard on the show, finally. Finally. <laughs> I mean, it's about fucking time, you guys. Researching, I, I'm kind of naive as far as Russ Ballard. Researching this particular countdown uh, introduced me to him, and I'm just, where have I been? This guy is like the cream on my cappuccino with a little bare face drawn on it. He's just a delight. He's got an awesome look. He looks like a really cool Steve Perry. Have you seen what he looks like? Oh yeah, he's great. He looks just like Steve Perry if he was if he was super cool. Well, Steve Perry is super cool. So no, I'm having a hard time. Just, I'm, I'm just picturing like an identical right, twin to Steve sunglasses. Perry. Sunglasses. Oh, there it is. Uh, yeah. Uh, oh, listen to that part. That's not in the rainbow version. The rainbow version kicks ass, but this is also this has, this has much to recommend it. Now, Russ Ballard had ten solo albums, and it's gonna be, you're going to be hard-pressed to know a song on any of them. But the guy wrote, like, 40 hit songs for other bands. We could do a whole show on Russ Ballard. We, we should. could. We're going to do a third of a show on him today. Yeah. All right. You're gonna We're still going to have enough left over. Hit machine. Number seven. Yeah, here we go. Yeah. Am I at a sporting arena? No, I'm sure you, no, I'm not. Yeah, you'd hear this at a hockey game. Um, 
Originally by Gary Glitter, this is Do You Want to Touch Me There. Joan Jett took it to number 20 in 1984. I always, I always find it, I find it weird that the first time this song was recorded, nobody knew Gary Glitter was singing to kids, yeah. and when Joan Jett covered it, nobody <laughs> realized she was singing to ladies at the time. That is interesting. It's, it's. Ponder that one. Yeah. yeah. Chew on that. Yeah. Wrap your head around that. And I fucked up. This was an '82, not '84. For you fact checkers oh, out there. Oh, you know he's checking facts. And I want to talk. I don't know. Now this, people do check facts on Twitter. I, I um. Is, I wonder if this song is really about his dick, though, or like about a massive head wound. I think it's about. I think he's got a massive head wound because there's one part where he says, "I'm down on my knees, run your finger through my hair," and if he's down uh, on his knees, that's hard for a lady to touch him on his wiener because it's all tucked in. He's kneeling, but running his finger fingers through his hair, she touched that massive head wound, and I think that that's what this song's about. Maybe he's singing to a kid because oh. the kid's going to be lower down. It doesn't God. matter. He's singing about his pubic. That hair. business is all tucked in. With when you're kneeled down. It's well, all, how are you oh. kneeling? Are you on all fours or just kneeling? No, your dick's always, your, my dick's always tucked between my knee, my legs when I'm kneeled down. Always. Really? Yeah. What about when you're standing up? They're always tucked between. Okay, it's like, always like Buffalo Bill from yeah. Sons yeah, of the Lambs. Are you yeah. taping back? No, I don't have to tape. It just sort of. Would you fuck you? Would you fuck me? Yeah, I would. <laughs> Oh man! I've never heard that Joan Jett version of this, by the way. It's so great. I, I it's one of her best known songs. How can you not, as the host of yeah. a music podcast, not have heard that song? I'm not the host. This is democratic. You, as the founder hosts. of the music podcast, we all founded yeah. this. We came together as a team. Come on, guys! Just because I'm stupid about an obscure Joan Jett hit, don't. It's not really that obscure. Well, you didn't, you didn't know this. Not the son of the king of the podcast. You, didn't you guys know, are all uh, fired then. Dustin, get in here. Let's talk about how we don't know Joan Jett music. The Rock and Roll Hall of Famer. Yeah, you didn't know uh, uh, most the, of her best work. The Quiet Riot song either. Album. Mama, we're all crazy now. I really want to talk it's about how I really want to talk about how much this sounds like Rock and Roll Part Two. This is like Rock and Roll Part Three. And the crazy thing <laughs> is, it has words. is there is Rock and Roll Part One. You played it for me, Dave. Mm-hmm. It'll blow your mind because it's Rock and Roll Part Two, but with no. Hey, instead he's going Rock and Roll, Rock, rock and, and Roll, roll. Rock, <laughs> Which, rock and Rock and Roll. It's so good. Rock and Roll. It's so good. I wish That's we could break that. that. It's really good. That's uh, we used to listen. <laughs> get drunk and listen to records. Six. All right, coming in at number six, got another Russ Ballard written song. Fuck yeah. Coming at you. Yeah, coming in hot. Most people would recognize this song, at least from our generation, from the end of Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. Oh, God. 1989. So good. Uh, this one didn't chart, but it was uh, covered by Kiss. God Gave Rock and Roll to You, originally by Argent, written by Russ Ballard. Hunter and I share the same impression that we had of this song at the end of Bill and Ted. Hunter, will you really share the way you felt because you you, you express it way better than I can? Well, so, okay. So here's a movie about, they did two movies about a band that's supposed to be become the best band in the world. And so, like, that always fails. Like, like think of Almost Famous in Stillwater and how shitty their Fever yeah. Dog song was. They, they can't. <laughs> they're, they're never going to be able to to do it justice. And I just remember sitting at the end of Bill and Ted's and they, they go back in time and they come back with beards and babies and we're like, we know how to play our music now. And I'm just like, man, 
there's no way they're gonna pull this off. And then all of a sudden, this song comes on. Oh, so good. And yeah. a single tear rolled out of a young hunter's face, and I went. Probably eight. I, yeah, I'm a tennish, and I was just like, they did it. They made the greatest song in the history of rock and roll. I felt the same way. I was like, how could this be a movie rock song? This is so good. And then I found out it was a Kiss song. I was like, oh, cop out. Um, well, I was impressed by that. I was like, well, at least there was a reason for it. I didn't think that... I didn't think some Hollywood fat cats made, were able to do this. Yeah. So it was like Kiss. But then, oh, like no. a week ago, I not found Kiss. out it was Russ Ballard. Yeah. Amazing. Russ Ballard and Argent. Not a glam band, but they fucking brought the glam on they this were, one. Uh, they will. To be, to be fair, I did do a Russ Ballard slam. At this time, they were doing glam. Listen to this song. Listen to this yeah. song for a second. Single tear. I should clap along at home. Put it in your car and everything. It's so good. Yeah, what a great ending to a movie. Think of all the movies that ended terribly, that built up to a, yeah. something that was supposed to all come together and it doesn't. This. Have you watched either of those Bill and Ted movies recently? Yeah, they're amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that one cook. Oh, shit. Oh, 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 we're halfway through. Oh. It's time for the 50 <laughs> States and 50 podcast. Best idea ever. What state Best are we going to this ever. time? Well, Steve, we're stepping off the Magic Yacht Rock podcast bus into what beautiful state? Well, J.D., I had uh, a friend of mine from college, Mr. Chris Solari, who spent some time living in South Dakota, who volunteered his <laughs> knowledge of the alternative rock scene in the 90s to suggest this song. This is Janitor Bob and the Armchair Cowboys. Good name. With something called Happy Song. <laughs> Those guys are going to go places <laughs> with a name like that. Uh, these guys are from Sioux Falls and uh, they just sound to me like, you know, every every town in the 90s needed a local alt-rock band to play the bars and that's kind of what this sounds like to me. Uh, if you go on their Facebook page, it still has a link to their MySpace page. Awesome. <laughs> MySpace is still a useful tool for bands, especially when it is a band of tools or janitors listen to this guy's voice nice throat singing nerd no this is this is all this sounds exactly like the positive garbage i wrote when i was in a band in high school in the 90s everybody in the band was so good and i was a piece of gar i was a garbage person i wrote gar stupid optimistic bullshit it sounded just like now you know better i hate this song because i hate high school me I just like it because it, it feels like in college when I'd date a girl that I thought was cute and she'd take me to a, a show, I'd be like, oh, we're going to go see a show. And it'd be something at the small planet that sounded like, sounded like this. Yeah. In East Lansing, Michigan. I like it because he named himself Janitor Bob, which is an ingenious way of negating the effects of somebody coming up to you and saying, don't quit your day job. Uh. 
I want to I I just uh, do a little more local color here. The other musicians <laughs> that I could find that were, uh, that were born in South Dakota were Sean Colvin, the Grammy-winning singer-songwriter who grew up elsewhere, and uh, Myron Florin, the great accordion player from the Lawrence Welk Show. Oh, I got one. So I got that one was too. your other choice for South Dakota. I got, I got one, too. South Dakota-born Mark Craney, drummer from Jethro Tull. Ooh, that's a deep cut right there, Dave. And let's not forget, you can visit Mount Rushmore in South Dakota. And the Badlands. Not the yeah. band Badlands, but the actual Badlands. And Charlie's Angels' own Cheryl Ladd from South I Dakota. I also want to say, before we, before we move on, uh, I told somebody on Twitter that I would correct... My Idaho segment last time I did this, I could not think of any other band from Idaho besides Paul Revere and the Raiders, but actually Built to Spill, who's a pretty famous indie rock band yeah, from right. Boise. And for a large chunk of my life, I knew that fact perfectly well. I also would like to make a correction. Um, Hannibal was actually uh, from Carthage, not, not Rome. Oh, great. Great. Thank you very much. Good callback. And I would like to... I, I missed a Bare Naked Ladies joke that I just thought of. This band is... It sounds like a shitty Bare Naked Ladies. They're like the drably clothed ladies. I'm sorry. I had, we were all making corrections. I just had to get that out. I also want... I, Dave, uh. I said last week... I, and you caught me and you called me out on it right yeah. away. But I want to issue a full apology. Yeah. I said that sauerkraut was cured with vinegar. Mm-hmm. You said, no, it's salt and water. Yeah. I, I, I apologize. It was it ignorant. Cures, it ferments. It doesn't I was cure. ignorant. I was insensitive. I'm perpetuating harmful stereotypes about pickling. And it the can be done with salt water brine. I hope that this doesn't affect our friendship oh, this because seg- it's not what's in my heart. Wait, this is well, the I'm, best I'm segment. I'm glad you brought ever. that up, Steve. This Thank segment, you. this segment is cured with vinegar. Number five. <sighs> oh yeah, a little lull there. That's oh, great. That was a hot, that was the hottest fifty states of fifty podcast yet. Yeah, oh, they're just God. getting better and better, yeah. aren't they? I can't believe we were Man. in South Dakota. South wow. Dakota. Well, hey, now we don't have to go back to South Dakota. Yeah. All right. Uh oh. Oh, here's a song. I was always more familiar with the original one of this. It was uh, Michael Damien with the song "Rock On." It took it all the way to number one in 1989. All the way to number one. Um, but the original was by David Essex, uh, I think from like 72, yeah. I, I would guess, if I'd done any research. Yeah. I just found out that Michael Damon covered his own cover of this in 09. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. I found released. that out too. He called, oh, it's he bad. called it Rock on 09. And, it's, oh, no. and he took... The, what, this David Essex song is really good. Michael Damien's is kind of cruddy. And then this 09 one is just garbage. 09? <laughs> More like, oh no. Oh, good one. Hey. <laughs> Hey. Hey. You, guys, uh, you guys should go online and check out uh, the video. It's not really a video. It was just some live performance of David Essex doing this. And I knew the original because I remember this creepy-ass video of this dude just gyrating with a, with a mic stand in the round full of all these apathetic teens just staring at him. And it's I think those were the Corys. Incredible. <laughs> no, no, that's the Michael Damien Oh, one. you're talking about the other I'm one. I'm talking about the David Essex okay. one. <laughs> wow, same video. Uh, Weird. It's completely off-putting and well worth a watch. I love the production of this song. We're not going to get to the end of the song, I don't think. But if we, oh, here it is. Yeah, it's great. There's these great disco strings in here. It's just very of the time. It's like space disco. It's when people figured out they could play strings on the on the keyboard. Yeah, these are real strings, I think. When I heard the original version, oh, this is much better than the cover. 
I, mean, I gotta say too, I, I hate pop music's obsession with James Dean or anything in the fifties. But I do. Yeah, well, I he do. keeps calling him Jimmy Dean. I thought he was talking I know, but, about sausage. But then there's that. <laughs> well, it's glam, so he might have been. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's that sweet, that sweet weird voice that comes in and corrects him and goes, James Dean. It's so yeah. stupid. Yes. <laughs> Enough about James Dean. The fifties were lame. These guys were they looking were back. These guys, the glam was looking back past or before the British invasion. I don't care. So. The fifties were stupid. The reason we all love Back to the there's Future. There's a blanket statement. <laughs> the reason we all love Back to the Future is because Michael J. Fox was trapped in the 50s and all his kids in the 80s were like, this is stupid. We want him to escape. And the stakes were really high because we didn't want to spend time in the stupid 50s. That's the why Marty McFly had to invent rock and roll. Yeah, that's right. Because it was lame mm-hmm. without it. Hey, Michael, Michael Damien, this is your cousin. <laughs> uh, Mickey Damien. The sound you were looking for? Check this out. Hello. Hello. Oh, how are you doing? Hello. How are you? That's Hello. something that we haven't talked about. There's a lot of Cockney in, uh, in glam, yeah. which I love. It's kind of like a way for the working class to aspire to something. Well, something they weren't. Higher. That's what I was saying earlier. They weren't really from London. They, I think they were. They're from not like posh. A, yeah. All right. This is the third time that a song associated with Ian Hunter has shown up. Yeah. And uh, Ian, this is uh, Once Bitten, Twice Shy, covered by Great White uh, in 1989, uh, before they killed off almost all of their fan base in the station nightclub fire of 2003. Uh, Fun fact. Ian Hunter. A lot of people died. 100 people died, 300 injured. So what I've never understood about Great White's version of this is... Before they put this out, they had an album called Once Bitten, which, you know, it's a play on their shark name, but it's also clearly a reference to this song. And they didn't cover this song on that album. Well, they waited for the follow-up album, which they called Twice Shy, yeah, it was, to cover this. It was foreshadowing because their third album, Once Bitten, was Once Bitten dot, dot, dot. <laughs> oh, they and put then, a dot, dot, dot on it. And then the fourth it. album was dot, 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 Twice Shy. Oh, okay. Which, That's how they got it. I had it. no idea about any of this. About what? About what? what they just talked about. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah well, I was, was going to ask... the one with Rock Me on it. Huh. I, was, I was going to ask a great white super fan to come in and tell us about it, but it turns out they don't exist. <laughs> I, I, they all got burned up. I, Not even Tony uh, Zarek. Oh, that's terrible. I no. went to the uh, five-year uh, remembrance of Dio's funeral. Great white played, and it was remarkable how many people got up and walked out. Oh. Waited till they finished. Oh, oh, came back into the room. Bad. Well, this song proves how awesome America was, because even this British dude who says, hello, at the beginning, is using the term state line to yeah. to talk about a woman's vagina. They don't have state lines in Britain, so he was really looking to the United States to find out a cool way to say, I'm touching this lady's vagina. That's what we're so cool. That's what makes us cool. And he talked about Greyhound buses. Yeah. They don't have Greyhound buses in, in Great England? <laughs> they have, they so. have a functional like, train system, so they don't really yeah. need them. That's like Thin Lizzy singing about the local bar and grill. They'd be at the pub. Oh, yeah. The but, local. Mm-hmm. But pub doesn't rhyme with what they needed to rhyme with bar and grill. I'm trying to remember the line before. Uh, yeah, I don't remember. Dressed either. to kill, looks to kill. Yeah. Oh. Hanging out at Dino's bar and grill. You know who else did this Did this song? Sean Cassidy. Yeah, I saw that. He produced a weird rock or uh, art rock album uh, that was produced by Todd Rundgren with a bunch of Todd Rundgren songs and these. Great album if you want to find another. What's it called? Undercover. Uh, 
I don't know. Terrible name. Just, uh, well, actually, this is the easiest way of uh, finding it. Sean Cassidy did a art rock album. It turned out to be his last album. So just look for it. Right. What do we call that, Steve? The uh, the unintentional finale? <laughs> yes. yes. We, we are now. <laughs> okay, this is a good one. It's one of my favorites. I'm excited. That bumper said number three. Damn it, I did it again. It, uh, under Dave talking. <laughs> All right, can you guys who, guess who wrote this song? It was Russ Ballard! <laughs> Hello. Hello. Yeah, this song was first re- recorded by the British band called Hello. Uh, it's one of my favorite songs of the era, uh, and the B-side to this uh, single was called Little Miss Mystery, also a great song. Uh, but the album was called Keep Us Off the Streets, and it had a denim jacket, so you know it's really good. Hello was actually a like pieced-together bullshit poser glam band that like real glamours were like, ooh, but teeny... Teen boppers ate it up, so I'm sure they ate up. Is that, that true? Meat. Yes. Hello. Hello. Was this enough. is like, oh, they're like the One Direction of glam bands. Oh man. Back in the New York groove. Can you can you clap to this? Oh yeah. This episode's all about clapping, and also we've kind of been talking in our uh, DJ voices. I know. All right, the mic sound good today. Yeah. Um, also brings down the uh, level a little bit. I know, this song's about New York, but uh, yeah, so East Freely. But it's all country western sounding. Yeah, they with, got a uh, they got a jaw harp going in there. Juice uh, harp. Come on, just say juice harp. Yeah. You say it all the time. No, juice. I said I said juice harp. It's a juice harp. Your racist ears inst- heard it wrong. No, it's a great instrument, the juice harp, and the Jews are proud to claim it as their own. But no, this is like a, it's got a great uh, hoedown sound. Yeah, it is like they've never been in New York City. Wait, the like, this is America. We th- <laughs> we think that everything is a hoedown. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, these guys clearly hit, know nothing about New York. <laughs> but which like is what, weird when Toto sings about Africa. Yeah, <laughs> but what's weird is that uh, Ace Freely does know a, a little something about New York, and yeah. for some reason his version makes it sound that way to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably because it's not a bunch of British. Accents chanting about the New York groove. I just want to say too, it figured, It really, it makes a lot of sense to me that one of the best songs by any member of Kiss was not written by a member of Kiss. Yeah. This, oh this, come on! This is God gave rock and roll that you is my, are my favorite Kiss songs, and one's a cover, and one's not even really a Kiss. Uh, yeah, song and my other favorite, cover. my other favorite Kiss song is Forever, which was co-written by Michael Bolton. Stop, fun fact. Stop pooping on Kiss, who, by the way, technically a glam band, and now I'm going to have to do a Kiss appreciation uh, show. They're aggressive. Are you going to show us a concert? Because really the visual is the only No, they're not true. They're aggressively no, a glam true. band. They were like, look at that glam band. They put a little bit of makeup on their faces. Let's put makeup over all our faces. Oh, listen. That song just ended and it went out of the bumper. Okay, oh, did you ever want to hear a crappier, less well-produced version of Joan Jett's number one hit, <laughs> I Love Rock and Roll? Yeah, well, I got did. It. Well, you got it, folks. It's <laughs> the <laughs> Arrows. You're right, it is kind of crappier. It's a lot slower and less exciting. So Joan Jett was on tour with the Runaways. Uh, somebody in England uh, had heard the Arrows play this in a bar and decided to give them their own TV show based on this song. They had a weekly show that lasted about four weeks. While Joan Jett was in England, she saw it, heard the song, and said, I want to do that. Originally recorded it with two of the Sex Pistols. It didn't have anything going on in 1979. 
and then uh, did it again with the Blackhearts a few years later. Fun facts! I will also go on record to say this isn't technically glam, because the, air, the arrows uh, <laughs> were wearing a lot of black leather, not glamming it up. They were being more trying to be more of a rock band. But yeah, well, this is Mark definitely... Bowman wore a lot of leather. He's still glamorous. Who wrote this song? Wasn't this another the arrows? I don't think this was. I think this is. I think this was written by a glam guy, and so this is. Was it Russ Ballard? Probably. Hey, this isn't glam. Who cares? I thought we should just do general undercovers, but nobody listens to old Poppy. All of a sudden, I'm the king of the podcast, but nobody listens to me anyway. So eat a dick, you guys. We're in charge now. Are JD. you? Uh, oh man. Are you calling yourself Poppy now? Yeah. yeah. I that, that was weird. <laughs> I'm Poppy to two little humans, and we'll, I'm Poppy. Yeah, they aren't. They aren't here, JD. Yeah, I'm not here. It's okay. I'm Poppy. And I don't like, think they're. Listening. Like, like like the Latino Poppy? Are we you big Poppy? We don't have to call you Poppy from now on. I'm not gonna call you Poppy. That's no. weird. Yeah. Speaking of That's underage creepy. He's the Gary Glitter of, of this podcast. Yeah. Speaking of Gary Glitter and underage children, this guy's being real creepy about picking up a 17-year-old girl. It's like I knew she couldn't be about 17. <laughs> That's what he does in the song. This guy's a creep. I hate this guy. I like Joan Jett better. Maybe he's singing it from the, the viewpoint of a, of another 17-year-old. I hope so. I hope like so. when Kip Winger sang only 17. <laughs> but I think I think Or when Chuck Berry sang Sweet Little 16. I will get to that, John. Yeah. But I think what's really interesting about this song, and this encapsulates it really well, like you we were talking about the production values, like this undercover glam really shows that the problem with glam rock wasn't the talent, it was the production value, which was garbage. And then it's almost like the man was like, let's make let's let these talented people write a bunch of good songs so we can cover them and, and become real rich on them afterwards. <laughs> Which is that's, that's how that's how music works. That's how the man is. Well, it's interesting. These are like demos. Yeah, for talent, yeah. more talented <laughs> artists. This, this totally sounds like a demo. Yeah, this is somebody like a, a songwriter wrote a demo and was like, "Young Jet, would you please play our song?" I've noticed, I'm noticing that when the American artists cover these songs, they they really they give it a lot more crunch. They get a lot crunchier when when Americans play them. There's more balls. You I'm noticing I'll, that Hunter's really enjoying doing an English accent. Well, it's glam. Hello. Hello. Number one. This is going to blow your minds, folks. Yeah. This blew my mind. Here we go. Going to let this play a little bit. You've heard that one before. Oh, God, have I heard that before. Okay. But I haven't oh, heard God. this before. I, I grew up in the 80s with two sisters who did dance recitals. Oh, listen. And I've heard the cover. Listen, listen. Kitty? Kitty? This is uh, Kitty by the band Racy, covered by Tony Basil, 1982. And I've heard that about five or six hundred times. Wait, yeah. so what's the end of this? I never want to hear it again. Okay, so your sisters were in a. Right. They dance it. recitals and they listen to it a lot. Yeah, they had to do. Yeah. They had to practice their dance routines to the, to, to, to Mickey. Mickey yeah. Okay, let's do this. And yeah. I never need to hear it again. I never want to hear it again. I wasn't curious enough about that song to know that it was a cover. Yeah, I just um, found out about this too. Yeah, Can I ask I was... a question before we really get into it, Dave? Mm-hmm. Was Mickey the best choice? Absolutely not. For Kitty? Absolutely not. Schmitty. <laughs> no, I, I, 
said that. Did you? Yeah, it's right here. Look at the it? thing. Oh. Hunter Stare says, I propose that the correct answer is... Are you guys stealing each other's jokes out of the I wrote, outline? I wrote it in. You guys gotta relax. If one of us takes another guy's joke, just flow with it, man. Like, I didn't even all... notice. I didn't read your lines. Smitty, there's only one answer, and it was Smitty. I'm the king, and you guys are one solid organism. Now you're Take the king? Jokes. I thought you were the poppy. I'm poppy the president king of the podcast. Anyway... So let's get back to this amazing song. It creeps yeah. me out because my mom's name is Kitty, and this guy really wants to fuck Kitty. He doesn't respect her. He just wants to get Kitty into bed. He's super horny for her. Here comes I, the chorus. Uh, yeah. The chorus actually rhymes now in this version. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Smitty. Sorry, man, I didn't see it. That's okay, but it did make sense. Yeah, well, we're on the same page. Yeah. Smitty. Uh, it just creeps me out, though. I can just see this guy trying to have sex with my mom. I don't like it. Uh, you don't? Well, your mom's, no. your mom's real nice. I like your mom. Yeah, well, this guy likes her a little too much. Yeah. If you ask me, I can't separate it. Can we say the band name? Yeah, Racy. Racy, Racy. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah I just got it. Just making sure. Okay. Uh, this actually uh, hit number one, and the song that it bumped out of number one was Joan Jett, I Love Rock and Roll. The Tony Basil song hit number one. Yeah. What's this song didn't do anything. No, this, weird. this one wasn't even a single. No. This is just a throwaway. I'm pretty sure this came out in 1979, way past glam. I'm pretty sure these guys were just like a just like a slummy bar band, and they were like, we got all these extra glam songs. Let's give it to Racy. And so they did. And so in 1979, they came out with a weird glam song. And this creates a lot of confusion. Fusion with the Tony Basil version because when Tony Basil said, I'm going to take it like a man, you assume that she wants Mickey to have uh, sex in her butthole. But when this guy's singing to a girl, you don't know what he means by take it like a man. Oh, it's going to be kinky then. No, yeah. I think it's uh, this this guy's like in love with a. But I fucked it up. He's in love with a flirt? Yeah, he's, he's in flirt? love with a real flirty girl. Schmitty. And uh, it's older than her, and he wants, uh, he wants her to know, I can make love like a big boy. I can take it like a man, kind of the opposite of uh, Neil Diamond's Desiree. Well, that was a really that was a great countdown, game. Dave. I want to yeah, thank you. Too. I want to especially thank you for that last song because you've saved that song for me. You've, yeah, it's it's I a feel, good song. And if yeah. you watched MTV in the '80s, they just beat it over your fucking head. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was. Oh, that there was actually a really video good of that version. terrible and makeup. Tony Basil was really weird looking. Yeah, the, that like, weird makeup. Job I looked up they what she looks those? like now. She's like 78, and she finally grew into her eyes. <laughs> <laughs> She's an attractive woman. Uh, Dave, I, w I just want to say you've given me and the world a gift of love with that last song. Thank well, you very much. Well, thank you, Steve. Um, I had a hard time finding anything that's not on the list because it's such a specific genre. Glam <laughs> undercovers. I think we got all of them, but there is one that you researched that uh, didn't make the list that I really like, and it's Iggy Pop's China Girl, Yeah, which he, he co-wrote with David Bowie, but yep. recorded it way before David Bowie did. And it's it's just a really cool song. It's Iggy Pop, but it sounds so Bowie. That's so Bowie. It's like... <laughs> All David Bowie songs sound like David Bowie songs. Like all Prince's songs uh, recorded by other artists sound like yeah. Prince songs. We'll oh, we do could, that someday. Yeah, we'll do, we can do we'll an do, undercover Prince. Well, not really undercovers, but like just Prince. Prince. Just like touch, yeah. songs touched by Prince. Yeah. Uh, touched we'll by a Prince. Touch it. We'll blow some minds with that one. Uh, anything else we forgot, guys? I, uh, yeah, I got some. Uh, Brian Adams has a fun story with Straight from the Heart. He used to be in a glam band, wrote a glam song, didn't play it until somebody else recorded it. That would have been a fun little story. Uh, you got Bang a Gong, which was number 10 by T Rex and was number 9 for Power. 
power station that oh. could have been on the list. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you but everybody knows. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. But does anybody know that Tia Carrera didn't <laughs> didn't do ballroom blitz? I doubt it. Because everybody is. in this day and age is familiar with Wayne's World. Yes, yeah. I'll tell you something. Very timely. Hunter and I, Your references all come from 1989. Hunter and I were watching Wayne's World, watching Bill and Ted, and just thinking that they, those actors just came up with those songs on the spot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, good, good episode, guys. Next week is episode 10, and on the tens we do yacht rock countdown. So we're super Whoa. excited. Yacht rock gonna, on the tens. We're gonna do a yacht rock special countdown, except it's called yacht rock. It's songs that everybody always lumps in with yacht rock, but are not yacht rock they at ain't all. Yacht rock. It's about time we start to set the record straight on some of this stuff because yeah. this is a podcast about arbitrary genres, yeah. and we have rules. <laughs> <laughs> but they're all going to be great songs. They're all songs we love that we wish they could be yacht rock, but they just simply no. aren't. Um, so this week, find this week's Undercover Glam playlist by following J.D. Riznar on Spotify. Send questions via Twitter at Yacht Rock. Follow J.D. That's me, at J.D. Riznar. Follow Hollywood Steve. That's him, at Hollywood me. Steve H. Follow David Lyons at David underscore B. Lyons. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> David underscore B uh, underscore geez. Lyons. And I'm, I've decided I'm going to start using Twitter. I am up to three tweets. Congratulations. Thank Fo- you. Follow Hunter under the covers. You'll also find his lovely wife there, and they'll tell you to get the fuck out of their house. Like Yacht Rock on Facebook. Rate and review us on iTunes. Go to YachtRock.com for what will hopefully one day be a useful experience. Today's bumpers were sent in by Rob Crow and Matt Lee. Get in touch with us, everyone. Send us some funny bumpers. Make us laugh. These send guys them to Poppy. Send, send, send a big Poppy. Send the bumpers to Poppy. And thank you for to producer Dustin Marshall for giving us a hard out at 9 so we can all get home and I can be Poppy again. Check out other Feral Audio podcasts at FeralAudio.com. Poppy. Dot com. Dot com. You're fired. Should we plug stamps.com? Mm-hmm.